so hi welcome to this episode of uh, news because mashup what we do is we take two books that we've done podcasts on and we compare them and we contrast them and we see are they in agreement about what they whatever the topic is or are they in conflict with each other now the two books that we're going to look at today we've, we've done podcasts on them one is called the captain class by a guy called sam walker and the other guy is uh, james kerr who wrote a book called legacy and what's interesting with these two books is that they overlap a lot right and when it comes to leadership a lot of the time when we think about leadership we think it's the person who can tell the best stories the person who leads from the front the person with the most charisma the person with the most skills the the biggest skill set and really what they talk about in in both of these books in legacy and in the captain class is they talk about how leadership might not actually be what you think it is or more specifically the leaders in a team they might not necessarily be the person who's the captain or the person who is the star player and this relates to both sport and to business as well that the person with the biggest skill set the person who can who has the most ability is not necessarily the best person who is should be in the position of leadership or they're not necessarily the person who is the leader a lot of the time in leadership it's the quiet spoken person it's the person who is willing to do uh, the thankless jobs the person who is not the loudest talker the person who um, goes up against the rules will, will bend the rules as far as possible in order for the team to win and that's what's interesting about both of these books both in the captain class and in uh, legacy they talk about what leadership is in a team in a sports team and i'll just explain briefly what the two books are about and uh, you can listen to both of the podcasts at usebecause.com forward slash podcast or uh buy the books and, and read them yourself this one um the captain class by sam walker it's what he did was he he looked at he had at this the, the first part of this book is about basically uh, who are the top teams in the world across all sports, right? Across every different sport he could think of. Uh, what he did is, he, I think, as far as I can understand from reading the book, he just did a search on the internet of, like, who does everyone else think the best teams are and why? And had a massive big layout on his kitchen table or wherever it was that he did it. And he came up with some very stringent criteria as to what would count as a as a top sports team for i'll give you a few of the examples just so you, he he does know what he's talking about in this book but to give you a few examples of, of how stringent he was for picking a team or picking a top sports team a freakish team as he calls it is that they had to have at least five players in the team they had to um ensure that they were had an opportunity to compete at the highest level that they were actually competing against another team and that it was happened over a sustained period of time and he came up with 16 teams, uh, tier one teams, as he called them, uh, across all sports. Like there was um, handball and rugby, soccer, uh, water polo. Um, uh, there were, I can't even think, ice hockey, American football. Right back, I think the earliest team was like the 1920s, like the New York Yankees or something like that in the 1920s, right up until maybe 2015 or 2016. But what's really interesting about it is that in this book, one of the teams he talks about is the is what is what this book focuses on, Legacy. So Legacy by James Kerr, he focuses on the, the New Zealand uh, rugby team, also known as the All Blacks. Um, 
And he followed them for basically two years and wanted to understand what was it that was making them so dominant? What was it that was making them so uh, unbeatable that, that people would just show up and assume that they would be beaten by this team? And so he spent two years uh, following this team around. But this team that he spent an entire book on makes up one of the 16 teams in Sam Walker's book, in the captain class. So that's, I guess, that's a one massive overlap for the two books. But one of the things, is, let's say, let's start with the, the captain class. One of the things he does in this book is he talks about the fact that the, sometimes when we're, when we're, when we're raised from children to adults, we're taught to respect authority. And sometimes that can, that can fall over into, into sport where you assume the authority, as in the coach or the manager, who, who the person who picks the team, that they're the brains behind the operation, whether it's Bill Belichick for the New York uh, or not New York, the, the New England Patriots, or Alex Ferguson at uh, Manchester United, he was there for twenty six years and, and delivered all sorts of trophies. But he talks about how it's an important factor. They have to have something. They have to have some sort of charisma, some ability to to push these people on to achieve on the pitch. But that's kind of the point. It's that the manager doesn't actually throw the ball or kick the ball or or do the thing. What he needs on the pitch is a proxy, somebody who can enact his will on the pitch. So Bill Belichick, right, the, the New England Patriots um, um, manager, his proxy has been Tom Brady for the last whatever amount of years. And Tom Brady has left New England Patriots now recently. Um, but he like it's the two. It, it's like there's a, a symbiosis between the two of them where they, 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 they share a brain or a mind. Um, the guy in the pitch has the physical ability to do what the, the brains behind the whole thing wants him to do. And they're, they're in sync the whole time. That's the point. But he says that, let's say, let's actually take, for example, Tom Brady. He, in the book, The Captain Class by Sam Walker, he talks about the fact that just because somebody is the superstar, they aren't necessarily the leader of the team. And there's a quote in the book from Roy Keane, the Manchester United captain back in the day, and he says a lot of the time what the media think is the is the leader is absolutely not the leader in the dressing room. It's the quiet person. And he talks about in the captain class how uh, he, and it gives all sorts of examples from all these teams. Uh, people who, like I said, were not were not naturally gifted, uh, but they were willing to do uh, what he calls the, the thankless tasks to be a water carrier, to be the person who will. One of the one of, just, I'm just thinking of an example here. Didier Deschamps, right? Who was the uh, played for the Fran the French uh, national soccer team, midfield player, and he was uh, not spectacularly gifted. He was like f uh, five foot seven, but his job was to control the pace of the game. So he had no problem performing that task, whether it was like passing a ball three or four yards. His job wasn't to score the spectacular goals. His job was to was to set up those things. Or Zinedine Zidane or whoever it was and he was happy to do that job because he understood that's what that's what it should be there has to be somebody in that in that role uh, it can't all be superstars and there's a quote from him in the book that says we can't all be architects we need bricklayers as well it's like if you're building the, the Sydney Opera House you can't all be architects somebody has to lay the brick somebody has to do the actual the physical jobs those those thankless tasks he makes a point in the book as well that the superstar is not necessarily the leader, but generally the person who is that that uh, that water carrier, that person who's doing the thankless jobs. 
they almost always rise to prominence in the team, either to become the leader or be the, the captain of the team or to become the person who is uh, most respected on the team. Another one I, I, I can think of is uh, Puyol for the, for the Barcelona team. The Barcelona soccer team is another team mentioned in the book. That his job was like a, it was kind of a, he was a central central defender. And um, this isn't I'm not I don't want to talk about sport. I don't even follow um, that many sports myself to be honest. But I understand the the concept of having these players in the team who will will just grind through what needs to be ground through basically. That they're not looking to to make the spectacular passes or to be the the centre of attention. And most of the time when these people are interviewed, that they're not particularly good interview subjects because they don't have a lot to say they just they like to win so let's jump over then to legacy by james kerr and in this book he talks um a lot about a lot of the same things so i think there's 15 chapters in legacy each chapter finishes with a with a key takeaway and we talk about these in in the podcast on this as well and i'll give you an example of one of the things that he talked about in this book that so this New Zealand team, right, if you, if you don't follow rugby, they, they were dominant for a long, long time and they still are fairly dominant. They're still, they're beatable. Ireland beat them uh, a couple of years ago, I think. Uh, but for a long time, they were just untouchable. And that was the time that the author, James Kerr, was following them around and he wanted to see, well, what was it that was making them so good? One of the things that they did after every game is they would have a debrief, um, what they would call like a, a Maori wear, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and, and this was like a, a, a traditional thing where all the media, all the politicians, all the celebrities, children, everybody had to leave the dressing room. All that was left was the core team and the management. And they would have a, a, a very honest debrief of what was good about the game and what was wrong. Win, lose or draw. And it was generally winning for them. And everyone would get to say their piece about what went right, what went wrong. And it was just the, you know, no holding back kind of thing. But what was really interesting is that and this is the name of the first chapter in this book sweep the sheds is the name of the chapter what was really interesting that after this debrief the players would disperse go and have their showers and you know get dressed and whatever but the most senior team the most senior players on the team they'd stay behind and they'd clean up the dressing room these players who were household names if you're following rugby these these were like richie mccaw and uh, dan carter and, and these players who were like i say household names They'd stay behind and clean up the dressing room. And the point is that you should never be too big to do the small things. That's what he says about sweeping the sheds. The sheds is what they call their, their dressing rooms, uh, the changing rooms. You can never be too big to do these small things. Humility is what makes a great leader. Of course, it's about leading from the front, but it's about being, never being too big to do the small things. So when you think about either you as a leader in your team or the... If you're trying to select a leader, now I've seen this countless times where you see a sales team of 10 people or whatever, and the best salesperson gets promoted to manager. Like it's a completely different skill set. Being the best salesperson doesn't mean you're going to be able to be a good manager. It might, but it's it, the two are not equated. Like you can't you can't assume that because somebody's good at sales, they're going to be a good manager or a good leader. So what you're looking for in leaders is the people who will just either grind through what needs to be ground through, the people who will uh, put their arm around somebody when needs be or kick somebody up the arse when needs be. And that's what he talks about in, in the captain class as well. He talks about ensuring that 
your leader wants to wipe noses and kick asses, I think is, is how he puts it. Um, it's been able to do the right things or say the right things at the right time. And that's what this is about as well in this book. Uh, humility is a, is a key component of, of leadership, but it's also ties in with what he says in, in the captain class. He says that you have to ensure that there is, that there's uh, an awareness, I suppose, of, of, of what's, of what's needed for each individual player. And he also said that, that I think it was in, I can't actually remember now, which it was one of the books, I think it was the captain class, he says that uh, the, the leaders of these teams, or these people he, he identified as the leaders in these teams, these quiet individuals who would just get on with the tasks, uh, they doled out their communication to every player uh, equally. And every player got, got the same amount of attention whether it was an arm around the shoulder, a quiet word in their ear, whatever it was, these people who, who he identified as the leaders were, uh, were able to communicate in a way that, you know, the brash big talkers weren't or didn't. I think that was very interesting as well, that the, these leaders uh, are almost flying under the radar. So you need to, when you think about your own teams in, in, your, in your professional life, you need to think about who are the people who don't say much in meetings, but are consistent, or the people who, when the meeting is over, are able to kind of have a few words with somebody and make sure somebody understands whatever needs to be understood, that person could be your leader. It's a different skill set than being able to perform the task brilliantly. You look at any of the, uh, uh, any of the players that he mentions in the captain class as leaders, they generally weren't uh, superstars, they generally were very quiet uh, to the media. They generally didn't want attention. They hated being famous. They didn't want any of that. They just wanted to perform in a team. They wanted the team to win. So we talked about them having uh, seven traits of, of leadership. Uh, that's in the captain class, but legacy as well. He also talks about, I guess, the idea of these mashups is to make sure that there is uh, an understanding of of whether there's overlap or conflict in these two books. I am firmly in the camp that these two books overlap and that they uh, they complement each other brilliantly because this is like an in-depth, the, the, the legacy book is like an in-depth version of the captain class. Um, so what else does he say in legacy? In legacy talks, like it's a lot more um, hands-on, deliberate, actionable content. I would say, for example, um, when it comes to, to 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 playing the game or when it comes to leadership in general, play where the ball is going to be, not where the ball is right now. I think Wayne Gretzky said something like that as well in ice hockey about um, be where the puck is going to be, not where it is right now, that kind of thing. Um, let me just have a quick look. Uh, I, think we, I think we've covered a lot there in, in what I've said. Uh, Humility, I guess, in legacy, humility is, is like, for me, is what I took away from this book, that humility has to be your starting point so that you continuously remain as a student, that you never consider yourself to be uh, a fully formed expert on anything, whether it's a piece of software that your company uses or, um, you know, uh, interactions with customers, whatever the thing is, 
it's important to always remember to be a student, whether it's entering negotiation, you're saying, well, I've done this negotiation a hundred times before, I know exactly how this is going to go. It's making sure that you're forever a student. And the way you do that is by remaining humble. So what they were able to do with the team, uh, the, the All Blacks and Legacies, they were able to, to, I guess, build this culture of humility to make sure that everyone understood what leadership was and that they were self-contained. One of the things that he talks about as well when it came to sweeping the sheds was that uh, they wanted the team to be self-contained. They wanted the team to, to not have to rely on anybody else. And there's a great quote from, not a quote, it's, it's a story that Jocko Willink tells. I don't know if you know Jocko Willink. He's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a lot and he has his own uh, podcast now as well. But he's an ex-Navy SEAL. And uh, he used to not just be a Navy SEAL, but actually train the Navy SEALs as well. And he said when he'd be out on, on missions and there'd be a meeting, you know, with the higher, uh, the higher brass, whatever they call them, uh, the, the brass or the, the person in charge would go around each of the captains of each of these uh, uh, units, whatever they're called in the Navy SEALs. And he'd ask, he'd say, what do you need? Well, my men need more boots because, you know, we're entering in a different terrain. We're going to do different types of boots. And he'd go through each, each of these leaders. And when they got to Jocko Willink, Jocko would always say, I'm good. Everything's fine. And he always, he always wanted, he said he always wanted to make that point that I can, I'll figure it out. Whatever needs to be figured out, it's not, I'm not going to make it a problem for you because my team is self-contained. So then he said he'd know when, when his boss heard something from Jocko to say, well, okay, well, we do really need this. Well, Jocko hasn't asked for anything in the last 10 meetings. He must really need this thing. He wanted his team to be self-contained. That's what made him one of the best Navy SEALs. And I guess that's ultimately uh, a concept we can take forward when it comes to uh, leadership and, and what we want what we want from our leaders we want to build a culture of that self-containment and within that self-containment is uh, uh, this ability to remain humble while confident I think is it there's some company out there that calls it a humbled and I think is it Zendesk or one of those they talk about being humble and confident at the same time and that's really what you're looking to do um, and it's really really well put forward in both of these books um, I introduced the podcast to uh, the captain class and it actually says it there um, on the, the, the tagline, a great leader is not what you think. And that sounds kind of clickbaity, you know, like um, you, the results will surprise you kind of thing. But leadership might not actually be what you think it is. The best salesperson is not necessarily make the, the, the best leader. And uh, the loudest person is not necessarily the best leader. The person with the most... Um, the person, the person with the most, the best stories and the best charisma might not be the best leader. They might be in your team, but you need to keep your head in a swivel. You need to make sure that you're aware of, uh, of other opportunities, the people who are flying under the radar. I'd recommend reading both of these books, listening to both podcasts and, uh, and leave a comment if you think there's, if I've left anything out of these books or if there's anything you agree with or disagree with, let us know. Hit that subscribe button as well for us. Um, and tell two people that you know about, about usebecause.com forward slash podcast, usebecause.com and uh, go to the courses page as well. And um, there's a couple of courses there. What we do is we make sure that you are able to understand, remember and deliberately practice the actionable content from the best business books out there. So until next time, thanks very much. Um, as always, a pleasure. It's great to be able to do this uh, as a job to read books and tell other people about them. Uh, until next time, right? Thanks very much. We'll see you again.